Hi, this is Sir Flobogen Thunderhammer. And I'm King Cabbage Tidehammer. And this is Whack. We got a couple of serious ones uh, under our belt. I slept with the king. And you become the champion day one and walk out. I'm surprised your beards didn't get Velcroed together. Explain that. No, you have to explain. I have a clue. That's why. Some sort of LARP thing. I survived that. I'm, I'm not... Hello and welcome to Whacked, where we discuss topics important to the kingdom of Winter's Edge, interview the Guard community at large, and talk with interesting people from around the foam fighting world. Hey, all right, first try. Today right. we have with us Grand Duke Sir Randall Pontius and Dalsa. I've already lost it. I'm going to blow your intro. Sir Randall, um, would you please introduce yourself? I think you did pretty well with that. And in your defense, that's already a messed up name because it's been modified over the years until Lyndon got mad and blocked people from modifying my wiki. <laughs> we just talked uh, to Lyndon not, last week. I did not choose to have Pontius as a name, but it appeared there one day and I thought, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so you're just riding with it now. Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know that we, because uh, uh, when we air these podcasts, we have a limit to the number of characters we can put in, a, in an episode name. And I think I'm just going to put your full name and make that the episode name. You're, you're welcome to. I think that that should be interesting. Is, is the Bomba still there? I think that the guy that got banned kept on putting Bomba in it. Uh, Eggleson, the steadfast librarian of light, last scholar of the ancient world, defender of Dragonspine. No, no Bomba. No um, Bomba. I All can, right, well. We can reach out to Lyndon. Yeah, Lyndon hasn't in. blocked me from editing you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. All right. Well, Sir Randall, thanks for coming on with us. I know... Um, <laughs> They're all kind of kind of looking for something to do nowadays, and we'd love to have you on. I know um, the the best way I know you is I've met you once at a Winter's Edge event, I believe, um, and then you're also the creator of the Electric Samurai. Yeah, that's a blast from the past, right there. That's two blasts from the past. <laughs> uh, Electric Samurai has, has been kind of in the grave for eight years now, more or less. So I would say that a majority of amp guarders start well over a majority of amp guarders started playing since we stopped using it. Yeah, it was it was a big thing though. For so one of the things Randall that we like to do on the podcast here is we're introducing Winter's Edge to interesting people from around. Um, you are someone that I would definitely say has, uh, and I find myself saying this a lot with some of our recent <laughs> guests, but you become a legend within your own time in the game. Uh, and so for Winter's Edgers that don't know, Randall ran a message board uh, called ESAM um, for how long was it active, Randall? It was from 2002 to roughly 2012. Uh, at that time, things started to wind down significantly as a lot of people started using Facebook instead for their communication. But about 10 years, and I'd say for at least nine of those 10 years, it was it was the main communication place for all of AmpGuard. Yeah, and it's still it's still running, right? I think I looked at it the other day. Well, it's still there. I, I keep paying the internet bill, and it keeps appearing. Right. Uh, most of the forums are archived. I, I close most of them off because they're... They're not really useful for modern amp guard, but for people that want to go in and do research on them, I've opened them mm -hmm. up occasionally. And of course, all the articles are still there, and, and they also have varying degrees of utility for modern amp guard, but they're there for historical sake. Yeah, okay. It was a lot of fun. We'll put a link to it in the description if anyone wants to go check it out or maybe even make a post. Um, we were talking just the other day. I'd, I, I'd almost love to see ESAM come back. Dude, I hate Facebook so much. Yeah, I would I, be fine. I do that. too. Um, That's interesting to hear because, well, for me, Facebook's been pretty fantastic, but I think there's a lot about Facebook that's problematic in how it creates communication, increased bad communication. Yeah. And so I've, I've wondered about what Samurai might look like in the modern day, how it might manifest. Yeah, it's, I, 
I think that the world has moved past message boards in general. Um, ah, don't and, do that to me. But but I agree with you. And and what you said there, Randall, the the kind of negative aspects of the communication that can come with it is is why I have grown to hate it. I I have I guess I've experienced more of the negative than the positive uh, with it. Though I will say that having situations where my entire park has one big chat that we can all talk to say, you know, Hey, I'm going to be late or Hey, does anybody need water or something like that? That's a blessing and a curse though. Yeah, it is. You know, it's, it's two in the morning and you get a big, you know, meme storm from somebody who's still up and you got to work at seven and you're like, Fuck, I forgot to do not disturb. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a rough one. We've, we've kind of had the same situation for our local Shire down in, in Southern New Mexico where we're not using our main board right now, our Facebook group. And we're also not really meeting at all either because of course everything's closed down. Mm -hmm. But having that Facebook chat group has been really useful because most people on that chat group also don't want to be bothered at two in the morning by a meme storm. So the only thing we've really used it for is to coordinate votes whenever a kingdom election comes around or whenever we want to allocate money. And it's been so efficient in being able to do that, which is a bit of a a blessing as well. I think that's what it's supposed to look like when it's used correctly. Not what ours looks like, but probably what it's supposed to look like. (laughs) Not what 30 of the ones I'm in look like. So tell us about how you got into Amp Guards. Kind of give us your your backstory here, so we know you know where to go. Oh wow! Okay, so it would have been November, the first weekend in November in 1992. I had a month previously moved to the United States, and I was walking through the park in Las Cruces where the Renaissance Fair was taking place, and I saw some people fighting with foam swords. And I must have been let me see, I was 16 at the time. I just turned 16. And I thought to myself, this is what I've wanted to do my entire life. And walked over and said, can I use these? And they said, sure. And I started fighting my brother with these foam bats. And immediately, immediately somebody walked up and said, you're not supposed to use other people's weapons without their permission. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. my, my introduction to Amcar was, was being uh, told off for borrowing somebody's weapons, uh-huh. which I'm, I'm sure I've done the same thing to someone else over and over. But yeah, and then from then just took off. I, I played for three years pretty solidly. Uh, this was during the time of V5 and V6. And I played a lot of Bard. It was my favorite class at the time. I played the Thief class kind of a lot until we got rid of it. And then I quit Amp Guard in 95 and stayed gone for five years. And then I came back in 2000 and have been back ever since. I hit the ground running pretty solidly. I came back in 2000 and within a few months I was King of Dragonspine and basically hadn't looked back. Yeah, I noticed that your uh, your Amp Tweaky said something about, what was it? King of Bards or, let's see, what was that? Oh, I should go take a look at it too. It's been a minute. Master Bard, I think, is what you had. Yeah, Master Bard uh, is is what's in your amp different from King of Bards. Can we make him King of Bards? I mean, can you edit the wiki? Yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) sorry, Lyndon. Um, (laughs) So hold Uh, on. You said something about a thief class, and this is this has to be a V five thing, right? Or is this V six? It was during the time of V5, I think, and it wasn't in the rulebook. It was one of the several classes that were being tested, and mm. we were testing it in the Duchy of Dragonspine. We weren't a kingdom yet, and in the Duchy of Dragonspine, we were trying it out, and there were some aspects of the Thief class that caused it to be problematic, so one of the conditions of Dragonspine getting its kingdom bid was we had to get rid of the Thief class and just use only the standard classes. Oh. <laughs> what's funny, though, what's funny is that the things that were problematic about the class are things that today we just sort of take for granted as part of the rules. Because one of the things was Steel Weapon, which is basically a Heat Weapon ability. But at the time, AmpGuard, for some reason, couldn't figure that out. They're like, well, do I literally take your weapon? Do you get to keep it? How does it work? Yeah, it's got Steel and, in the name. 
It's going to steal in the name, just pretend. And they, there's also a hide in shadows ability, which is exactly like an assassin a hide, step into shadows power that we have now. And folks just could not figure that out either. They're like, well, I can see you. Like, well, no, but I'm using an ability. And they just couldn't figure it out. Mm -hmm. So finally, the Burning Land says, okay, if you want to become a kingdom, you got to get rid of the thief class. And so all of us that had thief credits were allowed to roll those over into some other class. And I picked Bard. Okay. I was going to say, it sounds a lot like assassin, but I guess that, that steel weapon, I kind of like that. That would be a cool oh, thing yeah. in the assassin's toolkit or maybe even scout to make it kind of useful. <laughs> oh yeah. It was, it was basically like a, a low level wizard plus a low level assassin. And you had to carry an actual bag with you, like a small sack that was like your thief's sack of tools or swag or whatever. I don't know, but you had to carry a bag. I like that. <laughs> I would allow that in my game. <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. And, and actually, the reason that I have the persona name Randall is at the time, people would make up different personas for different classes, especially if they felt like, oh, I want to play this class, but it doesn't fit my persona. And I was playing a barbarian at the time because I really wanted to have a two-handed sword. It didn't right. make a lot of sense. I was a real scrawny kid, but I wanted a two-handed sword. Right. Well, then a thief class comes along, and I'm all, that's super rad. So I decided, it doesn't make sense for my barbarian to be a thief. I'll make a new persona, and I'll use the name Randall, which is from Time Bandits because that guy was a thief. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh, holy cow. That's stuck, huh? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So what, what caused you to leave in 95? Was it just moving, job change, you know, you moved to a park that didn't have Amthgard, or what, what happened there? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I've only ever played Amthgard in one park. I've always been a member of the chapter in southern New Mexico in Las Cruces, which wasn't until recently the, the, well, the crown lands of the Kingdom of Dragonspawn. We were just now finalizing that transition to make it a, a full floating crown. Wow. So I've only ever played in the one chapter, and, and as a consequence, only ever two kingdoms because I, I started as a burning lander, right? Because we were part of the burning lands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in 95, I was I was really burned out on Amphgard. I was really bitter about a lot of things, and I wasn't having a good time. I was in college at the time, and I was having a lot more fun hanging out with college people and doing things uh, like on the internet, like playing um, MMOs, or they were MUDs. They were MUDs at the time. So I just gradually just stopped going. I, I got out of office and just quit and never went back for five years, except for maybe to three feasts because I took my girlfriend to one of the feasts to say here's what I used to do and maybe about <laughs> maybe about a dozen times to the Alamogordo chapter which was at the time called Shadow Vale I would drive over there because that's where she lived and I play Ampguard there for a few times but otherwise five years no Ampguard and then didn't come back till 2000 five years seems like the normal like I'm burnt out I need a break time doesn't it there was about uh, that was how long I took off when I busted my knee up that's Me how too. long you took off when you had your kid Teflon same thing yeah I mean yeah like I think there's a there's a trend of like at some point we all get burned out we take a break and then we come back to it that's that's kind of cool to see it's it's uh, right yeah. on five years well I think for me the five years might have had something to do with that was also about how long I was in college so I'd come back and I got a job and I I remember I used to tell people when I was 18, 19 that and people who are like, yeah, I can't come to AmpGuard anymore. I've got a job on Saturday. Mostly it's because they decided they didn't want to do AmpGuard and then got the job on Saturday. But I, I don't know how true that is, but that's what I told people. But then in 2000, I had a job that had me working Saturdays. And I remember going to my boss and saying, I would like to work on not Saturdays, please, because i got things I want to go do. And he says, okay, sure. And then I went out to play AmpGuard. And I, for, I fought who was King of Dragons at the time. And it was... Um, Feral Lin. So Feral Lin was King of Dragons fine in 99. Okay. And I fought him and I took a shot that he swung on my arm. He's like, wow, that was a really light shot. That was impressive. And that was the only week that I went out that ring because immediately my boss changed my schedule back. Uh, <laughs> as a consequence, I got a griffin out of fighting the king once. 
And then I came back a few months later, and I was doing the same thing. I managed to get a Saturday off, and I went and I fought Kershan on the battlefield, who was king at the time. And the same thing happened. He's like, Nick, and I was like, well, that's a pretty good shot. And it was, it was of course, it was absurd. I wouldn't do it today. But at the time, I was like, well, that's a light shot. I'm going to take that. And he was impressed, and he gave me a griffin, and I got my schedule changed again. So <laughs> two reigns, one attendance, griffins from both. So I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, all right. That's... And that was, do we, we don't still give out griffins, do we? They're not part of the... Do you not? I mean, they are still an award that can be given out, but they're, but they're not, not part laddered. of the, the laddered, yeah, the standardized awards now, so griffins are kind of... Oh, no. Yeah. So, you got to give out griffins. This is a conversation that, uh, that we had about a month back, uh, and I wish I could remember who said this, but griffin, their, their take was, griffin is one of the most important awards that you can give, um... Because what you are signifying to everyone is that, especially as you start getting higher up, this person has gone out of their way to make sure that the game is fun, fair, and balanced for everyone else. Um, I have three griffins. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Three's pretty good. I was about to give you a, a heck clause. I was about to say, aren't, aren't you king? But nobody's playing right now, so who are you going to give a griffin to? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're still doing like a lot of online A&S, but griffin yeah. is one of those, like, how could I? I'd, I'd have to figure out a way to award that, you know? So Randall, I want to, uh, I want to point out to everyone here where you start to tie into winter's edge. Um, mm -hmm. so around 2001, um, you at the time, mystic glade, which was under Dragonspine, decides to join up into the central Eastern Alliance, which later became the uh, principality of winter's edge and Dragonspine. Um, decides to give, give us a send off. Now, I actually have our original Dragon Spine contract still uh, here in the in the room that that we're recording in. Um, in nineteen signed in nineteen ninety six by Snicker Furfoot and uh -huh. uh, Lord Calidor. Uh, uh -huh. So you come out um, and you uh, give a few titles to some people that were well deserving of it, and uh, Sir Gillen gets his defender. At the time, which uh, this was at a time where you needed three to get sword belt. You needed, uh, or uh, maybe two of three. Um, yeah, it was two or three. You needed warlord or defender, or you had to win a weapon master. And there was one other, I think. In Dragonspine, it was also a master griffin. So any of those two, two of those three, four items would have done the trick. I don't know if we had that. We we did not, but there were other there. There's other knights that have done that. I know Sir Shadow uh, was a master griffin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, also Tristan, currently king of the Burning Lands. Oh wow. Oh, there you go. Um, he's a Dragonspine knight. The uh, so you come out, you you give everyone there some Dragonspine belt favors that you had made yourself. Um, that we still we still wear today. Um, and hand out some awards and say, hey, thanks so much for being a part of Dragonspine for so long. Very, very supportive of our move to begin forming our own kingdom. And then for roughly 10 years, 12 years, we disappointed you horribly. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but we did, we did finally get there. Um, it, was, it left a, a lasting impression on us um, that you that Dragonspine would, would send someone out and that you, you came and you did all these things for us. Uh, but that's where, that's where your story starts to tie into, uh, to Winter's Edge is, is this first encounter. And then we met you again several times over the years as we would travel out West or we would meet at, uh, events that were kind of towards the middle of the United States, SKBCs and things like that. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I, I remember that really vividly because it was a long road trip that Amy and I, my wife and I, took out to Tennessee or uh, Knoxville. I mean, to uh, to visit y'all, and um, it was a heck of a trip because it was long and we had to sort of marathon it because we had part of our leave canceled and we didn't have time to unload the Jeep of stuff that was already in it and we knew we wanted to make these belt favors but ran out of time to do that as well so we just threw the sewing machine in the Jeep and hit the road <laughs> and I, I also remember getting there and I, I was on a kick where I was learning how to make chains like knights chains and I made one for Gillen to give to his knight and it was a real simple it was like made of, out of electric fence wire that I just coiled around a, a metal rod and clipped with some cl um, clippers and it was yeah, a real simple Byzantine chain, chain yeah, chainmail, right? It was chainmail. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I remember I went to a the first of the SKBCs, and he comes up to me and he's like, "I made you something," and he had made me a chain that was way more complicated <laughs> than the one that I'd made for him. It was beautiful, like this. It was like a, a, the weave itself was fairly straightforward, but then it was spiraled on itself. Just a wonderful, wonderful chain that he gave me that day, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, you started a a, a cult. I don't know a better way to. Uh, to describe it, the kind of the cult of the chain. We, at that time, Gillen um, was dating someone that worked at the vet school. Oh, yeah. uh, so we would go into the vet school after hours and go into uh, one of the, the rooms that no one uses for anything, right? It just had an old conference table in it. And we would <laughs> sit there and sew and make chain mail and stuff like that. When you, uh, you were the one that kind of introduced our whole park to the idea of making chain mail uh, jewelry. We had always looked at it like, ah, uh, you know, I could do some four in one to make a chain shirt, but it takes so long and it's dirty and dusty. And this started just a, a huge group of people that were going and picking up $5 pliers from Harbor Freight, which is a local uh, store we have here. We got a really, really bad grinder and ground off all of the teeth on them and then started doing uh, jewelry ourselves. And, uh, I think there was a time where everyone at the park was wearing 12 chainmail bracelets and, uh, you know, six or seven necklaces that we had hung charms on because we didn't want to be mistaken for knights or anything like that. It was, it was like, a, a, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but, you know, yeah. slap bracelets or something come out and people are wearing, mm -hmm. you know, 40 of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you, uh, I, I, I cannot uh, overstate the impact that you had on... Uh, on the local area here, least of which the, uh, uh, when you, when you came, we were introduced to a few new things too. We didn't have many people that played bard. So R Randall yeah. shows up and the very first battle game, he's playing bard. And, um, so I, I'm going to speak for uh, subway because he's not here, but <laughs> one of his influences for, for coming in and, and beginning to do bard, um, was Randall back oh, in wow. the day. Okay. Yeah. So, that kind of brought uh, um, Bard but, to our park. But Randall doesn't sound like a huge dick. Yeah, no, no, he, he doesn't. Jay <laughs> modified. Uh, oh, okay, he, he, okay, okay. He modified Randall's approach to it quite a bit later. Just kidding. We love you, Subway. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And I want to say a couple things about that because when I came out, it was 2002 maybe, I was just starting out doing art, artisan stuff and I was definitely just starting out doing chain stuff and it, it means a lot to hear you say that this kicked off something at your park because I know a lot of people who have doubts about the things that they're doing in Amcar. They're like, well, I don't know enough about this yet, or I'm really new to this. And I think that if, if people just go into things with some enthusiasm, you never know what you're going to start and what you're going to make happen. Um, and that's really good to hear. That's exciting. I, I also want to say that I, 
my memories of playing is I was thinking, I, I'm pretty good at Bard. I'm going to do great here. I remember getting beat up a lot. So I'm glad that you remember <laughs> it as, a, as more of a success. So it's a, uh, uh, and Cabbage, I know that you want to, to add something there too, but I, I was talking to Cabbage about this before we started the, the podcast. So I have, I have uh, very clear memories of, of Sir Randall coming out, fighting Dagger, and he had a paint can lid with a handle attached to it and foam put over it. You have one of those, hold on, where's your sword bag? It's in this garage somewhere and you have one almost that same, like it's almost just like a palm. It what is may, it where you throw the ball at it and it sticks? It, it may have been a, a somewhat copy of, of what ah, we back then. okay, I see. So this was oh an older... Oh goodness. This was... And, and we're... We're we're just now trying to to break into the national scene and starting to do all our traveling and stuff, and so we're whispering over there behind his back. This is this is for him to get better at hand blocking, and he's going to be a master hand blocker. So we've got to be careful when we're ditching and things like this. And we had we had met the guys down south in uh, in Florida at this point, and yet we beat up on Randall pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> but that's not yep. where the that's not where the story ends or the story that I want to tell. The story that I want to tell is the very next time that I get to spend a good deal of time with Randall is almost 14 years later. Now we had seen each other several times, but not necessarily on the ditch field and not in a, not in a capacity where I could really evaluate growth or anything like that. Right. And the next time that I see him, we have decided to go out to clan. He is fighting uh, two warlords and he is beating them so badly that he is casually <laughs> chatting with the person to his left as he's doing it. Still with the, the paint can? No, shoot. he didn't okay. have the paint can at this point. Um, it was on, it was the clan that we came out to, Randall, that was on the slightly sloped hill. Maybe that's mm-hmm. just where clan is. I don't know. But um, but yeah, I just, I remember sitting there with uh, with Zeb, with Sir Gillen, uh, and he, he turned to me and he said, uh, started singing the uh, Times They Are Changing, the Bob Dylan song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's a fantastic story. I appreciate you telling that. Uh, I remember fighting you when I was uh, in in Knoxville and I was visiting Mr. Glade, and I think that we were both fighting Florentine. And you were we were you were a lot. You're tall and and slim, I recall, and and you looked kind of like my brother. You're like long hair, and you had a face like my younger brother. And I'm thinking, well, I, I fight a few guys at my park. I should be able to do. It. And and you were a real hard rock to throw myself against. And um, since 2002. Ampguard fighting in Las Cruces changed a lot because we got a lot of the wheel fighters that were starting to play at our park, and they yeah, they okay. didn't accept that we were just not a good fighting park, and they wanted to change that, and they built it up themselves. And of course, your choice then is you can keep up with these kids or you can die. And so I had to work pretty hard to keep up with all these <laughs> wheel fighters, and I'm never going to be a warlord, but I always enjoy going to international events and and doing well enough against uh, against fighters that are not like you know top twenty fighters in all of Ampguard, but well enough against everybody else. And I enjoyed that a lot. Right. So one of the one of the through lines that I, I keep hearing on this podcast is just how small gestures get held on to, right? Yeah. I, um, you know, Shalazar said he hand drew somebody's award and they still have it hanging on their fridge. You know, Dame Linden talked about a lot of like she would give somebody a pin and they'd have it 10 years later. And I mean, just like that, you know, we're coming back around. But I want it to be said here and now and immortalized on YouTube and Spotify and wherever else that at one point flow was slim. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna hang on to that forever i, I would say lanky yeah he's still yeah. lanky but you know we, a, we we all lost slim at some point i was a dashing <laughs> young man at one point <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you'll have to show me the pictures no please no <laughs> no 
I, I'm glad you said something about that small gestures thing because that, that's such a huge deal. And I think that if if more amp guarders keep that in their mind when they're doing stuff in amp guard because new people don't realize what's going on. They'll show up at the park and there'll be somebody who seems like they're kind of a big deal or kind of important for, for some reason. Or maybe they're just like a good fighter. Or maybe they're just really friendly. Who knows? And the things that they do for good or for ill will affect that person if they stick around for like the next, you know, 15 years of amp guard. And I, I remember a lot of ill gestures from when I was a kid, but I also remember a few good ones too. And I think that those things are important because it's almost like for you it's Tuesday, but for someone else you have either made or ruined their amp guard experience permanently one way or the other. I loved that movie. Yeah. I love the original Street Fighter movie. I'm assuming that's what you were referencing there. A <laughs> little bit, yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, like, I remember the ill gestures, right? I remember the bad things that people did, but those have all kind of faded, and the good gestures are still just as shiny as they were the day they happened. So, like, I feel like there's something to that. Yeah, I hope it, so. You you remember you remember the the midnight ditches that you were in where everybody was having a good time and there wasn't someone throwing a temper tantrum or something like that offering right? you vodka out of a camel back yeah it was great <laughs> oh, oh lord that's a depressing thing to say <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> right yeah. especially when you're expecting water it's it's upsetting yeah so you uh, I, I wanted to give that tie in for every everyone there and I, I'm glad that uh, we got to take that little trip down memory lane the uh, but. Shortly after that, or around that time, you get your uh, crown belt. Uh, so this is back in 2002. Mm -hmm. um, and since then, you have also gotten your uh, your flame. What was your your journey through crown and flame like? What was going on in your life in AmpGuard around that time? Oh, my goodness. That's, that's a memory lane moment there. But those are milestones, so, and I, I have an easier time remembering milestones. So I was knighted crown in 2002 by Firen, who was a, is a really good friend of mine. He's a, a warlord now. He's a member of Wheel. He doesn't play Amp Guard anymore. Uh, he was king in 2002 after Alucard was king for a year. And um, no, no, I'm lying. He was, he was the king beforehand. He was king after I was king. And somebody had mentioned maybe a year prior that they wanted to knight me for the one reign I had done as king. And I thought, well, you really should do it a couple of times at least, and it should be pretty good. But I hadn't really thought about it too much at the time. I thought, well, I enjoy being king. I enjoy this amp guard thing, but I'm not really concerned with that. I'm not really worried about it. Right. And then he changed his mind, and that was like the first inkling I had of, maybe I do care about this a little bit. Because <laughs> I thought, well, this is all fun and games, but when you change your mind, now I'm wondering what, what went different. But what actually went different is someone told him, we all told him, this is a terrible idea. You don't want to do this yet. Right. So then I was out of office for six months. I came back into office and did King again and had a blast. Uh, had a lot of fun things happen, made a lot of mistakes. And then in the next reign, I was regent, and I was talking to Firen, and I said, so we're figuring out what awards we're going to give out, but we, we agree that we're not knighting anybody this reign. And he says, yeah, I, that, I agree. That makes a lot of sense. And then <laughs> I was running a small event. It was, I say small, it was intended to be Olympiad. It was Olympiad, but maybe like 50 people showed up. Okay. And I was running it, and I was at the gate, and Emmer shows up. And Emmer is a knight in dragon spine. She's been around for, for kind of a long time and ended up being queen uh, once, 10 years after this. So she pulls up, and she says to me right away, as I'm doing gate duty, she says, do you want a black phoenix or a white phoenix? The fuck? <laughs> and I said, I said, Emmer, I don't get to have any phoenix, really. I guess I could have a burning lance phoenix. And she says... Oh, and drives uh -huh. on, and so, so the cat was out of the bag, and that was and 
and this story's gonna get funny when I get to the flame belt. So that's that's Crown. I had a really good vigil. It was a lot of fun. I got to talk to a lot of people that I cared about a lot. Uh, I had people that I did not know were gonna be there, either call in or show up, like my knight Agil, who didn't play Amcard at the time, my my very good friend Foshan. It was it was fantastic. And I remember being pretty uncomfortable with all of it because I felt like I'd done a pretty good job doing King, although in hindsight I made a lot of pretty critical mistakes that um, I shouldn't have made, and I would I would counsel people not to make if they're in monarch positions. But I felt like I, at the time now, I had done please. a pretty good job. Huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. He said, yeah. list them all now. <laughs> list them all now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, don't be a jerk. That's the big one. Ah, fuck. Uh, and and don't don't accidentally be a jerk. That's the second big one. Double fuck. But I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's the best <laughs> advice I have. I'm ruined. But but. I remember feeling like I'm pretty good at this. I'm comfortable being a Grand Duke. I love this king thing. I can hold office. It's fun running things for people and making the game fun for people. But I don't know about this knighthood thing. And I don't know if I feel I'm the newest knight now. This is a weird thing for me to be. And um, it took me some time to get comfortable with the idea of it, of what, what I wanted to do with it. And then eventually I got really comfortable with, with this crown identity. It's, it's the belt that I identify with the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't know. And then in 2008, by that point, I'd been a knight for six years and was was a fairly comfortable in my place. I was uh, participating a lot in the discussions on the knight circle, guiding a lot of the ideas of what we wanted knighthood to be. And, and I feel like changing a lot of the ideas around the game about what knighthood needed to be, for, for good or for ill. Mm-hmm. And I had been a master rose for three years by that point. Oh, wow. And then... Um, and then I get a message on Gmail from Emmer, again, who by this point is queen, where she sends an email message to all the knights saying, don't tell Randall, but we need to vote on whether or not we're going to knight him. <laughs> <laughs> and she had, of course, blown it again uh, for the second time. And I said, I, I said, let me just remove myself from this conversation, and I deleted the email chain and... and uh, and they had their conversation, and that was that. <laughs> and, and that one I, I felt okay about uh, because I, I'd been in Master Rose for many years by that point. I, I was in the, the the height of doing e-samurai stuff. I was doing a lot of things around the game, and I had just started doing XCOM stuff uh, the year before. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing a lot of those things, so I felt more comfortable about, okay, this is something that I feel like I've worked towards, and I feel like I can inhabit the space of being a flame knight, but a lot of it was I was already a knight at the time. So inhabiting the space of knighthood already made sense to me. Uh, even though, for me, the flame belt wasn't what I identified myself as. Um, there, was, there was a third belt after that. Uh, it was, uh, I don't know, 11 years later, and Emmer did not spoil that surprise. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one for three. It's fine. Or is it? Is it? Yeah, it's one for three. So, Again, if it's baseball, she's doing great. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> So you mentioned XCOM. Um, Michael Hammer of God actually mentioned the time that, that you and he spent um, uh, organizing and, uh, and and doing XCOM and things like that. What was that time uh, like for you? I don't, I don't know if the people here in Winter's Edge understand fully what XCOM is or what their duties are. It's hell in a cell. What was it like? That's a, that's a huge question. Um, so yeah, Michael and I were on the executive committee. So XCOM stands for the Executive Committee of the Circle of Monarchs. And the notion when it was founded in 2008-ish was that there would be a body of three people that would assist in organizing the Circle of Monarchs, insist in governing the meetings of the Circle of Monarchs, making their business happen, and then turning their votes into action, executing their, their will. 
And the reason that these positions came about was because previously the Circle of Monarchs was just run by whoever ran the meeting, and almost always that was the King of the Burning Lands or Aramithras. Mm -hmm. And so they just ran the meetings and the monarchs voted and they typically would vote on rules changes and new kingdoms and that was it. And the new kingdoms thing was usually a fait accompli. It was always because the Burning Lands had already decided that their board of directors had voted this this is going to be a new kingdom. Right. Well, one day, Aramithras just doesn't show up to the Circle of Monarchs. He decides, you know, I've, I've, I, I'm not going to show up and then they're going to totally fail and they're going to see that they missed me. That This is the notion of, of what people think the reason was he didn't show up to it. And people just stepped in and said, well, in that case, we'll run these meetings. Right. And we ran them successfully for some years. And by 2007, the people who were running those meetings included the chair of the meeting. It included me in the capacity that would become the executive secretary, the one who would do the rules of order and call on people to be allowed to speak and keep track of the minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. And enforce, enforce the rules of order, which was huge early on. It's not a as big a deal now, but it was huge early on to control all these big personalities and say, no, it is not your turn to speak. And um, and then we had the third member of that committee was the president of the Burning Lands Board of Directors. And so with the three of us, we were able to facilitate that business. And by 2010, um, Michael Hammer of God became the first elected chair because the prior chair had stepped down and put Michael's name up for a vote, and the Circle of Monarchs approved it. So he was the first elected chair of the Circle of Monarchs. Oh, wow. And, and cool. we worked together for five years. I think it was till 2015 when he had his heart attack. Mm -hmm. We worked together for five years doing their business because one of the things that the Circle of Monarchs told us to do is they said, well, we, wanna, we won't want you to organize our meetings, but we also want you to do the vision thing. We want you to find ways to make Amcard better and bring those proposals to us for a vote. And for Michael, that was kind of a big deal. Like he would look for ways that we could better organize Amcard. And, and a lot of what we were doing at the time might today feel a little smaller scale because it was before AI it was before Amcar was owned by all of Amcar because we still had the Burning Lands owning right. the owning the rules and everything. So the things that Michael would look for would be like, well, maybe we can look for ways that insurance could be a game-wide thing, and that being the stepping stone to a, a stronger, more unified organization. And so began experimenting and exploring some of those things, and and they didn't come to fruition. But what did come to fruition were a lot of the rules that we use today. A lot of the rules for how monarchs' meetings are governed. Mm -hmm. A lot of the rules for how kingdoms are made and potentially unmade. Uh, all those things started to get locked into place during that five-year period. Um, the big one, the one that I'm most pleased about, uh, is our, our rule for when we have a meeting, we vote on the proposals before we discuss them. Yep. And, and it seems tedious sometimes. Like Sometimes we're like, okay, we have to do this. And now somebody says they want to have a discussion, so we have to have a discussion. <laughs> but the reason that we started doing that is because we, we literally had a meeting and I think this was the 2008 meeting where I got knighted, where we talked for, might have been the 2007 meeting, we talked for nine hours, and of that meeting, maybe two or three hours of it was about one chainmail rule. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And it's because everybody was upset about the gauge suggestions. Everybody was upset about how you even measure gauge to begin with. Everybody was upset about the ramifications. And nobody knew that everyone was opposed to this rule. So they all oh, kept on trying no. to convince everybody else to vote no, and eventually we voted on it, and it was all voted no, and everyone was like, are you kidding me? Did we just waste? So ever since then, we vote on the proposals first so we know what the lay of the land is, and then discuss as necessary and then do a revote. That actually is, is really cool for me to know because I was just recently in, a, in, a, in an AICOM meeting wondering why the hell it is we do it that way, but now that you've said that, it actually makes a ton of sense. Because there was there was a proposal that came up and it was like, oh, well, 
proposal to table this. We'll vote. No, can we discuss this first? No, we're going to vote. Even yeah. if it fails, we'll discuss it. And it's like, ah, oh, fuck. Okay. Now it makes yep. sense, though, because, yeah, we didn't spend a lot of time trying to convince people when we didn't know their intentions. It feels backwards from a legislative point of view, because in a legislature, you debate, and when you close debate, you vote. But I think the difference in AmpGuard is we don't know where everybody stands before the vote, and we, we don't do that kind of legislative work of figuring it out. And this lets us understand that. And even though it takes things, it feels like things take longer sometimes today as a result, I feel like it saves us a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, this is a volunteer position. I don't have time to go oh, yeah. around and whip votes and figure out where no. people are going to. So that makes <laughs> no. sense. Absolutely not. We need to make it as efficient as possible so that we're not wasting people's time. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really pleased about that. And that was that five-year period. Um, I was in the the XCOM for ooh, four years after that. Oh, wow. Um, after Michael stepped down, we had a different chair step up. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. After my, that, was, that was me. Oh, shoot. I forgot. <laughs> so after Michael stepped down, <laughs> we had a, I stepped up as acting chair, and I brought in Promethea as secretary, and then we were confirmed in those positions at the Circle of Monarchs that year at Gathering of the Clans. And my intention was, I told them at the time, I feel like I can do this for maybe a year, but then I just don't know where I'm going to be mentally or where I'm going to be with the projects I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I did it for a few years, and it's because by the time I was ready to step down, Promethea was also ready to step down. And I didn't want both of us to step away at the same time. So I said, you know what, you do it this year, and I'll finish out the year. And then ended up stepping down from the Circle of Monarchs in 2019, uh, October, where we had the election of my successor. Yeah, I so think that that's been... uh, Sir Mesreth now. It is now. At the time, it was someone else, but then they were, they were unfortunately, they were banned from AmpGuard. Right. And, and um, there was a subsequent election, and then Mesreth was elected to the position, yes. Okay. So... Um, and understand that I'm, this is not meant, uh, in a negative cast, but are you, is there a relief that comes with kind of stepping back from that level of responsibility and, and just being a normal player again? Oh, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Um, let me just say that I loved what I got to do for AmpGuard for almost all those years. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it a lot, especially the period where I was in the executive secretary position because, Executive secretary is not a policy-making position, really. It's, it's, or it wasn't at the time. It was more of an administrative position. It was a, other people are making policy. I'm assisting in making sure that the votes can be organized, yes or no, one way or the other. And I'm making sure that efficient government can happen in AMCAR. And that felt really good. Mm-hmm. And it also felt really good because in order to be an effective secretary, you kind of had to affect a very strong neutrality and avoidance for big debates that were taking place in AmpGuard, and I got more and more into that role as time went by, and you wouldn't believe the relief you have, or maybe you would, the relief you have when you look at a, a, an argument happening in AmpGuard, and you're thinking, yeah, I can't get involved in that because my job won't let me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then the, the stepping away part at the end, like I said, I wanted to do it the year before. Um, I've been kind of not enjoying some aspects of AmpGuard since around 2017, and uh, when I became chair, it was to fill a gap for a while, but Chair at the time was also part of AI because we had formed AmpGuard International. Right. And so I ended up slipping into that role by, by accident. It's not what I wanted to do. And I told people, I don't want to do this board stuff, but I'll, I'll do it as much as I, I can. And it was just, oh, it was a lot. It was a lot of difficult work. It was a lot of thankless work. And um, it was a lot of people that were ostensibly on the same team, not working as well together as, as, as they could have done. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity to get back from that and to not do that anymore. And frankly, I'm divesting myself as as many uh, kingdom things as I can as possible too, because 
just getting to local level AMP card stuff is such a joy. People are having such a good time all the time. It's it's nice to have someone else responsible for making the, the hard decisions. And um, I don't know. It's just... Well, I mean, one of the things that I learned from Shalazar very early on uh, about leadership was your end goal is always to get the next generation ready and have them take over for you. And that is also your mark of success is that you have been able to to hand it off uh, and, and they're going strong and they're, they're good. And it sounds like that's what happened uh, is, you know, you had, you had done what you could and you've been able to hand it off and, and the next generation is now carrying it into uh, to the future. Yeah, I, I hope so. There's there's an executive committee. There's a circle of monarchs. AI has a, a structure in place with uh, various offices, and you know you win some, you lose some. But I, I think a lot of those aspects of AmpGuard government are still in place now. It just, yeah, it's much more structured. Uh, the, the org chart now looks like a freaking circuit board. Like it's it's very you, know, you report <laughs> to this guy, this guy reports to that guy. It, it is all very laid out in a way that you know everybody has their kind of silo they work in. Yeah, and I think that makes it easier for individuals. Not the wild wild west anymore. I mean, you know. <laughs> no, no. And it was when we started doing this. The only thing we had really was, hey, we have a circle of monarchs, and the Burning Lands kind of gives them some authority over kind of the rulebook, and so <laughs> building a lot of the structures that we have because. Ideally now, the Circle of Monarchs should almost never vote on rules, sort of an up and down vote on what rules reps and the rules organizer puts together for them to say, hey, we did our best, here's the results, what do you think? Yep. Ideally, the Circle of Monarchs should be voting on all that other stuff. Yep, that's what we're doing. Um, yep. I mean, it sounds like it's it's working as intended, and Mesrit's doing a, a pretty bang up job of running things, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that there's maybe some parts, and maybe this is getting a little bit uh, controversial. One of the nice things about not being in any kind of office is not having to care about a lot of these things, but I find that there are still some things that I care a little bit about. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it comes to the Circle of Monarchs, I think that the Circle of Monarchs is not intended to be a legislative body. I think that that wasn't the way it was built for success because it's intentionally set up where it rotates frequently. Every month, a couple of monarchs leave and a couple of monarchs join. Yeah. And to ask it to be an ex- to have an executive function, in other words, if it's driving um, policy, if it's legislating policy, I think that there's something not working there that unfortunately makes it so that um, positions that were not intended to be long-term permanent can gain unintended sway over the body. Yeah. And by that, I mean like the senator position. What I think that the Circle of Monarchs works best as is when they put people in place to do a job, and then those people, in order to get anything done, have to go back to the Circle of Monarchs, have to say, we are doing these things, please approve it. In other words, the policies are generated by the folks that they appoint, but they have to go to the Circle of Monarchs to get legitimacy and authorization for their final decisions of the critical stuff that all of Amgard has to have buy-in on. Well, I think um, it's also cool that you know we, we appoint a committee, for example, the, the Rules Committee, or now we've got a committee looking into um, maybe a, a fifth belt. Uh, don't know where they're going to land on that. But then that committee is probably going to come back and report to a totally different group of monarchs. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is a bit of a check on that where, you know, if, if we were all a cabal and saying like, oh, we're going to get a fifth belt in the game so we can all get our whatever belt. Well, we're not the people that get to approve when they come back. We're not the ones that get to say, yeah, totally. That's, yep, battle game belt. Cool. All of us are going to be knights now. Awesome. So I, I like that as a check. I like it too, and that's why I think it's important for the body to change, because what the Circle of Monarchs represents to me 
is not a legislative body, it's not an executive body, it's not even a policy driving body. What it represents to me and what it should represent is AmpGuard and AmpGuarders. And therefore, it should be the body that puts that mark of affirmation on policy decisions that are made that affect all of AmpGuarders to say, yes, AmpGuard wants this. Right, we represent uh, the will of our players. Precisely. It, it so there's my, there's my this, pitch. At this most recent clan, um, you know, there was a, a some stuff came up about uh, taking Paladin and moving it to everybody instead of restricting it to Knights. And um, mm-hmm. I I stepped up to speak and I said, you know, I actually spoke with uh, our circle of Knights. I spoke with any players that were willing to join me for office hours. And I spoke with, we have a, a unique circle of Paragons and Winner's Edge. I spoke to all three groups and they were like, you talk to, you talk to your players about this? And I was like, uh, fucking yeah, I did. This is a pretty big vote. It seems like it matters. And they're like, oh, we just, this is my opinion. So I just came here ready to go. I was like, yeah, no, this is what my players had to say. This is what our knights had to say. This is what, you know, our, our paragons had to say. This is, this, this opinion is not necessarily my own. It is my kingdom's opinion. And they're like, oh yeah, we didn't do any of that shit. I'm like, God, I spent like weeks before preparing and they're just like, oh, we didn't, we didn't make notes. <laughs> You're that kid. Ah, fuck off. Um, so, um, I, I want to touch on one thing before we move on to, uh, Randall, you were talking about, uh, some very high level org things that you have done, but you've been very in- influential on your kingdom level as well. Oh yeah. I was um, scrolling through his amp wiki. It's like King, 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 yeah. King, Regent, 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 Champion, King, 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 Champion, Champion. Yeah. Very little time spent out of office from, let's see, according to the, though there's no way to tell if this is a. Uh, if this is accurate, if people were changing it, uh, uh, October of 2000, all the way up through present, it says. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of time on the board of directors, a lot of time in kingdom office for some of our newer players that are interested in moving into some of these kingdom level offices or becoming more involved with our, uh, board of directors and the, the actual running of the kingdom behind the scenes. What is some advice that you would give them what are some things they could do to kind of break into those roles? And uh, what's one takeaway that you've learned after, what, two decades almost of, uh, of being in positions like that? Hmm. I'm not sure I'm the best person to give advice for that, but I'll <laughs> do my best. And the reason I'm not sure is, again, I, I've only ever played in my park. And it was always a very large park, even when I thought we were struggling for numbers. We were always one of the largest parks in Ampgard. And we were also the core lands and the crown lands of a static crown kingdom for um, until just a few years ago, we started to float the crown. And so I had to win over that park. And I, I felt a sense of responsibility to the other parks in my kingdom. I wanted to make sure that they were invested and involved and that I won them over too. But really, the votes had to come from one park. And so my advice on getting into those offices not be relevant in modern amp guard where every kingdom is a floating crown and you have to win over a lot of parks. But I I think that the model for that is still going to be similar. I think that people do need to travel to various places in their kingdom. They need to be seen because amp guarders more than they trust expertise. They trust faces. I think they trust people that will travel and come to them and will care about their concerns and will care about their parks. And so I think that people that are looking to get involved beyond their own localities should visit as much of their kingdoms as possible and and be good to people, you know, be nice to people. Um, and <laughs> a lot of the advice is really similar to the same kind of advice you get in a job. It's, it's uh, you might cynically say it's about who you know, but really we're a volunteer organization. So it's not so much who you know as it's 
people need to know and trust you. They need to believe in you. And, and travel is part of that. Going to people is part of that. Yeah. Um, I think that once you get into office, if you're willing to be the one to do it, because I don't know if it's the same thing in y'all's kingdom, but sometimes sometimes when you have people running for a kingdom office, it's a single slate is uncontested. So sometimes half of success is showing up. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very it's often. Being the one, yeah, it's being the one that said, you know, I declared, I got through quals, here I am. And after a while, if you're always the one who's like, here I am. So I think that that's the kind of advice that I would give for modern amp guard is, is um, don't be a jerk. Be good to people. Go to where they are. Visit them. Travel. Obviously, not right now, but travel. Right. And um, and fulfill your obligations. Do your job. If even if you're not feeling the energy for it, at a minimum, do what you're required to do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Stepping up is is really huge too. I mean, I ran uncontested and on two terms now. But I mean, like if anybody else had stepped up, like especially for my first term, just about anybody could have beaten me. Realistically, oh, they they could have. Um, the well, and so we had uh, this was a this was a thing when we had first gotten kingdom, and mm-hmm. I was running against uh, Chase uh, Vashirin. Yep. And so uh, the and ar- arrogance and bravado aside for a moment, okay, I had more of the popular vote at that point because right. Chase wasn't really uh, Chase was known in a few parks, but he wasn't really known throughout most of the kingdom, and uh, I failed the rule book test. I think I got our Kapora test at hundred percent, but I failed our rule book test by one question and we didn't have, I know, right. (laughs) Disappointing. And we, the, the one who was organizing that we did not do retests. This is how that person had always done it. Um, They had never allowed retests and the confusion came because of course, other people that were in the position of prime minister did allow retests. And so there was a, there was a quite a bit of back and forth conversation. And so you were like, Oh, just one question. Well, I'll take it again. That won't be a problem. And then they said, no, you fucking won't. And you went, what? yeah, that was, that was exactly it. Okay. And, uh, and unfortunately this happened on a very public board. This wasn't done, um, you know, behind, uh, behind doors or anything like that. Uh, I was notified, uh, that I had, was not going to be able to do this, uh, ahead of time. But, so where does where did where did that take us to? It took us to a single uh, a single person slate, which is what most of our office had office uh, officers, uh, sorry, had had run on before. And I I had to make this big post where I was breaking down that there was no kind of evil conspiracy that happened and and nothing untoward or odd occurred here. That the reason that everyone is so shocked after we had been a principality for what was it? 17 years at that point or 16 Mm -hmm. years at that point was because we so often end up in a situation where people are running uncontested that we simply had not had enough contested elections for something like this to come up before. Yeah. My goodness. Um, and it's, it's disappointing. Um, it's one of the reasons that, that I ask, you know, it, do you have any advice for people that are looking to get into this? Because here's the good news, Randall. Um, more recently, uh, and I know that we, we just now had a conversation about how Cabbage ran unopposed, but more recently, <laughs> we have had, we have finally had this younger generation stepping up and starting to do uh, a lot more. Our last two or three prime ministers, it was their uh, their first or one of their first kingdom level officers. We have people on our board of directors that are... Uh, crushing it yeah newer to the game and doing a great job uh hella good work guys Mm -hmm. uh the you know this is 
I think that for the first time I can say that this is a very healthy outlook on how I think offices should be done. Um, seeing this new blood come in, uh, and I want to see that continue. Uh, but it's it also presents these new challenges because all of the silly mistakes that we made when we were very young and people don't remember the silly stuff that Kazan did or I did or Shalazar did or Zeb did or something like that are now going to start popping back up and they're popping back up in an age where Facebook is around and every cell phone has a camera on it. And these were things that I didn't have to worry about. Yeah. You know? True. True. Very true. Um, I think that the modern AmpGuard experience, I don't know. I, I have some mostly positive thoughts about it. I, I think that it's challenging because we have a lot more of people's personalities exposed to us. Mm -hmm. And that gives us some more difficult situations to wrangle. But I don't know. I, I'd almost rather know. Uh, it was it was sort of nice to be in that naive place where we didn't know what kind of people people were when they weren't right in front of us. But people aren't right in front of us all the time. So... See, this is know. the thing. There are, um, you know, there's a lot of off-topic amped guard boards on Facebook now. There's Boffers and Blasphemy. There, in Winter's Edge, there's the Manatee boards. And it's all about memes and shit talking. And sure. it is a perpetual dumpster fire, right? Like, there's, <laughs> there's on any given day, there's a, a, you know, a shit fight happening. And it's mostly unmoderated, so nobody does anything about it. And I have always said, I don't like these things. I think they're bad. It's not just memes. People come out with hurt feelings. But the... The counterpoint to that that I always get is, you know what these people are really saying when they're unmoderated. You know what these people think um, without anyone obstructing their thoughts. So if that person fucking hates you, they're going to say it and you're going to know it. So yeah, you get the personality. I still don't. I still, by the way, don't think that offsets the negative that these off topic boards bring. Um, mm -hmm. But you do, you know, to that to that end, you do get their truest personality and what they're like. I, I want to go back to what we talked about a little bit earlier about eSamurai because I think Please. that one of the failures of eSamurai was that it was unmoderated for so very long. And that gradually changed the character of the site. It, it gave it a reputation very similar to the unmoderated spaces that we have today in AmpGuard as negative reputation. And then eventually killed it. Eventually, uh, people took advantage of the unmoderated nature of the site to overwhelm uh, any good conversation that was taking place and kill it off, which is okay. It needed to go away at the end there, mostly because of the damage that they themselves were doing. But it left me with a pretty strong opinion, especially having seen what came onto Facebook afterwards, a strong mm -hmm. opinion of the value of unmoderated spaces. And I, I'm okay with looking at an unmoderated space and saying, well, now we know what kind of person this person is. But I think that the next step has to be, and then we don't want to play Amcar with them anymore. Right. I feel like, I feel like our unmoderated spaces... For some people, they're like, hey, this is fun and games and we share memes, but the, I don't go to, I'm not on any of them anymore. I don't even look at them anymore. Uh, there was a time when I was a member just like so a glance in to see if it was something I needed to know about based on my offices, but I don't even bother with that. But there was not a day that would go by where you wouldn't look in and say misogyny, misogyny, anti-Semitism, homophobia, transphobia, just on and on. Yeah. And I, I don't think... I don't think some of the people that enjoy those spaces get that. They don't understand that that's what's on display there. And that when... When people who are on the on the fence on, hey, maybe AmpGuard is for me, look at a space like that and see all that going on and realize, no, it's not. You're not a, you're not a white dude. Sorry. It's really distressing. It's really upsetting. And, and I think that, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I feel like the answer might be, and then we ban them, but I know that's a hard hill to climb. It is. I So 
You know, I don't remember ESAM being that bad. I do remember a couple of tire fires, but for the most part, it seemed like the community was capable of moderating itself. But again, I, I did take a break near the, the end of ESAM, so maybe things progressively got to that point and I missed it. Well, you're not wrong. Um, a lot of people inside, myself included, I didn't get it. I was thinking, we're not that bad. This is okay. We're talking seriously about a lot of AMP card things. Yeah. But for a lot of folks outside, they're like, don't go there. Don't Just don't, don't go there at all. And mm. it's awful. And here's the kind of things that they discuss. And here's the kind of things that go on there. And I, I did not see that at the time. So I, I kind of get the blind spots that people on those unmod spaces have because I had them myself. Because uh, I think the ESAM right was problematic for all those reasons. It's In funny. Hindsight. It's funny because I remember, I, and, and I don't remember the exact thing that, that brought this up, but I remember you having to respond to a, a situation once. And me, as a young man at this point, I was around 18 or 19. Um, Slim, even. <laughs> we're just going to keep going to this never letting it go um i remember it very clearly influencing how i looked at free speech um and so later i heard the the story of you know one of the one of the leaders of the black panthers stopping this police officer from uh, breaking up a ku klux klan rally and saying if they don't get free speech you know we won't get free speech either but my early my early interpretation of that that story that I heard much much later was Randall coming on when someone said you need to cut this person off, and and Randall, kind of laying down the groundwork for what free speech is in in this example, and I wish I could remember what it was. This person wasn't saying they they weren't uh, saying derogatory things of, of other social groups or something like that. They were simply putting forth a perspective that was not popular at the time at all. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really big for me. That was really, it, it very much influenced how I learned to talk to people, especially online, um, and, and how I view free speech. Now, all of that said, I'm of the same opinion of both of you that the unmod spaces should just die. Well, you know, so I've, I've thought about this a bit, and this is a feature that Facebook will never, ever implement because it goes directly against what they're about. Um, but some kind of rate limiting, right? So... <laughs> Right. So, yep. you know, once, once per hour, you can make a comment or a post or whatever, because then you're not, you are not immediately firing off a response. You know, Flo says something that I disagree with, and I'm not just immediately jumping in there and saying, no, you're wrong. You're an idiot. Fuck you. And then another comment that says, and another thing, and then another comment. And eventually, you know, if you read all 15 of my hate comments, eventually at the bottom, there's a source that's actually the core of the argument. And all the name calling is 14 comments of garbage. Right. So you then have to take your time and compose your message and say, here's something of value. Or you can use your one hour to say, fuck you. That's fine, too. <laughs> but you've used it. And then you don't get to come back unless you have a troll account, which is, you know, it's a workaround, I guess. But, it, you know, it, it it turns off that impulse that, that Facebook actively encourages, which says, post something now. Hey, say something. Post something. Interact. Engage. I mean, that's that's well, what Facebook uh- is designed to do. My, my active sabotage against that that I intentionally do is if people, if I get a sense that people are just posting to be provocative or irritating or trolling or just kind of crappy people, then I won't respond. And cause yeah. you're right, Facebook puts that little red light up and it, it forces that, hey, I need to respond right now. But I'll just 
post my ideas, especially after waiting in a thread for a while, and I'll try to post them comprehensively, and then just walk away from it and not respond if somebody does a follow-up immediately because I know that's what they want. And if they don't see that little red light, then they're never going to respond again, and then it just dies out. So that's my act of sabotage is right. intentionally forcing <laughs> myself to not respond to people because then I know that they're not going to have what they want, which is an opportunity to respond in turn. Yeah, they, they almost want you to have a bad conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I hate that. <laughs> yes, we need to move back to ESAM with rate limiting. Can you implement that? <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely could, um, but no, it is it is certainly toxic when, when what people want is to create an amp guard where that when newcomers come and take a look, they'll see two dudes arguing for five days about minorities. You know, and like, okay, Dude. this is, this is oh just disgusting. God. Why why do we have this? And and. That, from that description, you can't narrow down the thread I'm talking about because it happens too often. I, I but if one, of those yeah. dudes, if one of those dudes says, you know what, I'm just not going to respond to this conversation. I've made my opinion known. People can hit like or not. Um, and so for me, I, I look more less at the comments because there's a certain personality that just insists on putting up comments. But most people aren't like that. Most people are just like, I don't want to get involved in this. I'm reading this stuff. I'm going to hit like on what I agree with. Yep. So I try to put out content that people can appreciate and like and say this is an opinion that I agree with and then leave it at that. Yeah, well, we're not trying to uh, exchange ideas. We're trying to prove someone wrong. Right. That's, oh, yeah. that's what Facebook is is engineered to do, right? It's, yeah. it's engineered to both spread bad information and get bad information in front of you and then make people turn on each other. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, that is the unfortunate side effect of, you know, uh, an attention based economy, I think, but we're kind of, God, we're getting into some weird philosophical shit. We that are I am well, not qualified to talk about <laughs> to make it amcard ish and worse. I think that oh, no. rules and rules lawyer mentalities, um, make that even make that more. So in other words, I think that people get into wanting to be right about the rules, even if it doesn't actually matter. And Facebook feeds into that just as much. Yeah. Well, technically I'm allowed to, okay, technically sure, but you're still a dick. Like, come on. <laughs> yes. So, um, I want to do a little bit of a subject change here for just a moment though. We can revisit this conversation because I just now noticed something. You have the title of Hatter. Is that a real thing or is that not a real thing? I have a hard time telling you the page sometime. Hatter is actually, yes, it's a real thing. It was on a scroll made by Natasha, who is a artisan in Dragonspine. And it was because in, oh, when was the Hatter reign? It would have been 2010, I think. Oh, wow. Let's see. Azrael Jade and I were driving to probably um, Pegasus Valley, which I, I think prior to COVID closure was the largest park in Amgard and was pretty decent sized throughout most of its recent history. I've got a decent we're idea to why. We're driving to Pegasus Valley and we're batting around ideas for a rain if we ever decide to run for office together again and come up with the idea to do a Alice in Wonderland rain. And we're just suddenly really excited about this silly idea because unlike a lot of rain themes, people don't need any education on what it's about. They know what it's about. They can literally just wear a hat and go to the park and be participating like in that. the theme. It's such a yeah. low effort to get involved at a high level. And so we got super excited about it. And we also decided, you know what, we're going to do it as a surprise rain theme. We're not going to tell people we're doing it, which frankly was, you know, it, it worked out well, but don't do that. Because um, it, <laughs> it, it meant that only she and I were get, able to work on it. And that was a ton of work to put on two people. Right. So, we planned to run next. We cleared the field. We called people. We said, hey, we want to run for Monarch next. And, and so if you're interested in doing it, please give us a term. And a lot of our friends were like, cool, we can do that. We trust you. 
And so at Maze Maze in 2010, I think it was, we stepped up as the Mad Hatter and Alice. And Amy had made me this immaculate, just remarkable Mad Hatter outfit that was inspired by the one from the Johnny Depp movie. Yeah. And she made herself this beautiful Alice in Wonderland outfit, this wonderful gown. And, and we had multiple outfits. We had a field outfit, and we also had a court outfit. And we also made a 52-card suit of tabards of, oh. of all the numbers ironed on and... Um, also aces. Our guards were the four aces, so we called them back to the back and we said, hey, we're stepping up and you don't know this, but our theme is Alice in Wonderland. Here's your guard tunic. Please march up for us. And oh, I got my man. buddy. Um, he's the dude who's in state government who um, who does, who pre, until last year, did the presentations before the Circle of Monarchs on best practices. Mm-hmm. I got my buddy. He's also a drummer to do like a marching cadence, and we had the four aces march <laughs> up with pillows that had all the different accoutrements of the Hatterer Reign on them. Uh, the different like Alice in Wonderlandy stuff, and then we walked up to the front, and we I did the um, I did some sort of it was the Jabberwock poem recitation, yeah. and then we told everybody in case you can't tell, and then we had also had a huge Jabberwock banner that we unfurled. We said in case you can't tell, this is our rain theme, and so we did that <laughs> for six months. And at the end of the rain, it was it was just amazing. One of my one of my three I don't know what I'm going to do to top this memories in Amp Guard happened during that rain, and it's, it's a very vivid memory. Um, and it, the last one prior to that would have been maybe six years previously. You know, those moments where you just look across at something you've done and you think, it's never going to get as good as this. This is the best it will ever be. So one of three happened then. And at the end of the rain, the people who stepped up afterwards were like, that was awesome. That was so much fun. But you're already a crown knight and a grand duke and a knight of the flame anyway, so what are we going to do? Uh, so they came up with a custom title and gave me the title of Hatter. That's really cool. Yeah. I was wondering if for a moment you actually made hats. Teflon would be so upset that he missed this if you were an actual hatter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I make things, but not hats. I'm sorry. <laughs> he could talk to you for two hours about making Stetsons if you were, so yeah. maybe we've saved you. <laughs> well, my goodness. I, I love that I was able to tell this story, and it turned out to be the less disappoint- the more disappointing of the two options. <laughs> I take it all back. I take it all back. I'm an expert hatter. I make a lot of hats. If that's no. no you it's, hear that, Teflon? I think it's the better of the two options. <laughs> So there's a rumor about you that you're a human being. What's 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 this? Because this is in your Amped Wiki, and it's just I know. tantalizing. It's, it's a real short story, and it's it's from E-Samurai as well. <laughs> uh, my, my response was in E-Samurai. I always worked to keep them pretty measured and calm. And so somebody started a joke that uh, I think it was Griggs who started the joke that Randall is factually a robot. And it's also because I, I tend to not be very emotional in public. I don't want people to touch me or hug me. So they decided that I was not a human being, and I was, in fact, a robot. Oh. Yeah, that's the whole story. I went to, uh, I, I saw that and I immediately went to the uh, very much human Ted Cruz for president or whatever that old website was. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that we were, I thought that this was some kind of sales pitch that you had used when you were running for office, you know, very much human Randall for uh, King of Dragon Spine. Yeah. <laughs> Let us go out for tacos, fellow humans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is, a, <laughs> oh, that site's great. I have seen people. Randall is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Contrary to uh-huh. popular belief, I'm a human and not three aliens in a trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you've heard. Yeah, but I love it. So uh, you have have you just collected every single title there is in the game at this point? This is a very, fairly impressive list here. Oh, um, not as many as your previous guest. Let's see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and Night of the Serpent was a long time coming. And so let's see, I've got... I was about to ask if you were a, a serpent knight because I don't think it says in your Amped Wiki that you are. 
Oh, that just about tracks, doesn't it? Well, I am, as it, of 2019, yep. It was replaced. It, so where Serpent Night should be, it says nerd in nice boots. Oh, that is also right. accurate enough for my purposes. I'll accept it. <laughs> yeah, because if you scroll down, it says ANS and tournament wins, and it's like arts and sciences champion 2008, 2009, 2011, 2000. I'm like, how do you? How the hell do you not get? Okay, it's it makes sense now. Well, a Dragon's Fan was a bit busted for a while. We didn't make a Night of the Serpent for ten years. It was a a, break, a big gap. Mm-hmm. And previously, by the way, we also didn't make a Sword Knight for ten years until Ilmarin, and then we made some of the best in the game. So uh, there were just a number of reasons for it, and most of them were that, like my squires or my spouses, my spouse were they were the monarchs, and so uh-huh. that makes it a little bit challenging. One of those squires, by the way, again to tie this back to uh, to Winter's Edge, if the uh, SKBC that we had here back in 2016, uh, Sir Toll, uh, <laughs> was one of your squires. Um, oh yeah, I love that guy. He's he's fun. Um, <laughs> The uh, I lo- he taught a, I, yeah. a great class too. Um, again, Winter's Edge people. That was the real deal. Holyfield class where we were talking about foot movement and or footwork and and movement and staying light on your feet and ways to practice. Um, real I, quality individuals. I'm sorry. Anatole's one of the best in the game. What? Okay, so I clicked on Anatole on your on your Amped Wiki, and uh, there's there's kind of a theme here. Why is everybody a dinosaur? Oh, you're finding all the e-samurai jokes, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, I like I was there for a bit. I remember e-sam, but I don't remember this. I don't know what it was, but it was it was during a period when Grix was doing a lot of Photoshop of people, and at one point he went into about five of our ant wikis and vandalized them all by replacing our heads with dinosaur heads. And so uh, Anatole got, I think, like a almost like a, a Velociraptor head or something like it, or a T-Rex, and I think I'm an Archaeopteryx. I don't know. I think that's correct. I yeah, know. it's been a minute, but they replaced them all with dinosaurs. And, and again, I looked at it and I thought, well, cool, I'll just leave that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, right. why not? Yeah. Yeah, so, a lot of that comes from that period. Or, and a lot of us bonded really strongly over that time. A lot of, um, not just a bond, not just like a, hey, we're goofing around doing dinosaur stuff, but a lot of the ideas of here's how we want to run AmpGuard, here's how we want AmpGuard to improve, were born and nurtured on eSamurai, and a lot of the community that went into running AmpGuard afterwards was born and nurtured on eSamurai. So I think a lot of those dinosaurs, you know, it seems like light and fun, but it was part of the, the bonding that brought together a whole generation of AmpGuard leadership. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I mean, I know a lot of folks from eSam that were, were you know, ended up becoming pretty high up, at least in our kingdom and in the game itself. So I would agree to that. So you mentioned earlier that you, you were never going to be a warlord. I mean, you've got three. Um, do you think that there's any chance that you could uh, collect them all? No, absolutely not. Um, not unless warlord changes, which I think it should, first of all, not, not from my sake, but I think it should in general change from what it is to be something more accessible to your typical amp guarder. But I'm, I'm a fourth Order of the Warrior, I believe. How the fuck? And it, well, in Dragonspine, it's, it's well. Think about it. In order to get warriors. seventh, in order to get seventh, you got to win a tournament. Yeah. In order to get sixth, you got to get second place in a tournament. Fifth is third place in a tournament. And when you have Anatole and Ilmarin and Firein and all these people that are running in your tournament, saying that are fighting in your tournaments, that's never going to happen. <laughs> and and um, I have actually won a tournament by accident. I won a Burning Lands Weapon Master by mistake once. And so that was a lot of fun, but didn't get an Order of the Warrior out of it. And I'm also 44 years old, and I'm not 
not really an athletic person. It's the kind of thing that I'm unwilling to put the work in that would produce a modern warlord today in Amgard. And I'm also, I'm also not sure I've got the brain for it. If you've been to SKBC and you've done the combat computer classes, fighting moves so fast for me. I just can't see the fight taking place the way that I think warlords tend to see the fight taking place. So that's, that's why fair. I don't think... I don't think, in order to get knighted, knight of the sword, you have to be a warlord. I don't think I'm going to become one. Um, that said, I, I often amuse myself by thinking how close I am according to old school definitions, because I am a defender. I've been champion of Dragonspine many times. I am a weapon master by mistake. I accidentally won that Burning Lands tournament, and I'm one award away from Master Griffin. So I, I, I chuckle thinking about that, and also thinking about what a terrible uh, knight of the sword I would be, because... Uh, even even the worst knight of the sword knows way more about fighting and thinking about fighting than I do. Yeah, I uh, I, I had to reeve a fight. Uh, well, I had to reeve a tourney, and we had two pretty high level fighters, and they they both they simoed, or at least it looked like it. And then they turned to me and said, "What do you think?" I said, "I don't fucking know. You tell me. You just threw thirty five shots in two seconds." So they're recreating the fight. They're I I went here, you went over. I caught the hip, you caught pommel here. I did uh-huh. this. I came across, and I'm like. I didn't see any of that. <laughs> Hold on. Do it slower. Yeah. They're like, yeah, and it went like this and this and this and this. So it was you. You won. And I'm like, yep, okay, that guy won. I, what? Who? Did anybody else see that? Like, you know. So I think. Well, I don't was, like reaving, yeah. That yeah. was that was a uh, a lot of. That was, that was Subway was and Sir Gillen. Yeah. yeah, I was in the other ring uh, <clears throat> reaving at the time. The, mm-hmm. So you, this brings back something that my Grand Knight uh, discussed at. Uh, an SKBC a while uh, back. It's Tarjay. Tarjay, yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And <laughs> oh yeah, him. The I don't make any apologies for Toby. Um, <laughs> but uh, but he said something that I thought was really impactful and um, something that I very much uh, I agreed with then. I still agree with now, even as the the definitions of, of knighthood have somewhat shifted. Um, we had uh, this recategorization of because this was around the time when award standardization was coming out. Um, mm-hmm. We had this recategorization of how they all work. Um, I like the method that Dragonspine had where Griffins could lead into a sword belt. I like the method where uh, other th- where you could have two out of the three uh, and the, the weapon master and defender and warlord and all this stuff and, and it led into a sword belt. And I liked it because uh, Toby was telling a story um, and was using Sir Shadow uh, at the time. Uh, and, uh, I haven't fought Sir Shadow in a very, very long time now. Um, so, uh, he may be, you know, one of the, one of the greatest fighters that the game's ever produced at this point though. Uh, Toby was telling the story and said he did not want the system to move to what we now have, where as soon as you get your 10th, you're also a warlord. Um, because we lose something there. And the example that he used was Sir Shadow. Sir Shadow deserves to be a sword knight. He has proven that he is uh, above his competitors in uh, the certain styles that he um, is is good with. He's, he's good with what he's good with. I hate to boil it down to that, right? But Sir Shadow at that time was not a warlord. Um, and so Tarja used the example here that that's an important distinction and that's a good thing to have because it allows you to have sword knights in the game that are, that are competent, that are, uh, have, have set themselves as above their peers, but they're not a warlord is a separate thing then. And I, I, 
I wanted to see that for all of the other belts. I wanted to see a warlord equivalency for crown and for flame and for, uh, and for serpent. But instead, we boiled sword down to what the other ones were, and I think that that was the wrong way to go. Yeah, and I don't know if y'all's kingdom does it this way, but we, we do split tenth and masterhood up. We do. Uh, so there are separate awards, including including for warriors. We, we've had people get tenth level order of the warrior and then get their get the, the warlord title later on down the road for doing other things. So yeah. it's not common, but it does happen. But no, I, I think that I think that warlord, the way that it was set up at the time, it made sense to all the kingdoms, and we had to work out compromises to get award standardization through. That was two thousand and seven mm-hmm. that that happened, and that was the compromise in order to get it to go through. But it also made it made Warlord the second rarest Masterhood, and it also mm-hmm. made Knight of the Sword really out of reach for most Amp Guarders, more so than other Knighthoods are. And I think that that's something that modern Amp Guard should take a look at fixing. What was the rarest Masterhood? If War- Warlord was the second, what was? Oh, it's Master Owl. Yep. Really? Master Owl is the rarest Masterhood, yep, of, of the latter ones. Wow, I didn't know that. So think of it like this. we've We've talked on the show before about how there is a a pit the the middle of your your road to ten in your masterhood is somewhat of a pit because generally everyone awards people when they're first starting to make stuff you know you you almost give them out like candy right yeah. it's a motivational sort of thing you wore a tabard here's a garber R- right you <laughs> you I actually saw one given because someone just went and purchased garb because they wanted to be in garb and in character. And they gave, they were like, hey, first Garber, thank you so much for, for doing the thing. Sure. And on the other side of the, the chasm here, you have your 10th uh, your, your and your 9th, uh, your 8th. And those are fairly well established in most kingdoms too. You're doing some big thing. Yeah. And you're getting those. But there's this whole block in the middle there where, um, where that doesn't get awarded very well. Now, boil that down then to Owl where a lot of the stuff you're doing is more expensive. Um, and I, I hate to just make it a, a money thing, but at least in part, I feel like that's what's happened here is mm-hmm. that, you know, we have some people that are brilliant craftsmen that have played our game over the years, but not all of them had the discretionary funds to, to pump into to putting out something that someone would look at and say, this is Master Owl uh, quality. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I think part of it is also that Dragon can sometimes be a bit of a catch-all. I, yeah, that, that also, or, I wonder how much that played into it. Like, they got a dragon when maybe they could have gotten an owl. Or yeah. Well, we see the same thing with Roses and Lions and, and I guess these days, Orders of the Crown as well. Mm-hmm. That uh, there's going to be, which one do we give? How do we make, make sense of things? Or Smiths. I mean, how, how common are Smiths when people are getting Lions and Roses instead of Smiths that they should be getting? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, it's been a problem in a, that, that I kind of wish would be, uh, award standardization would be revisited or not revisited, clarified. Clarified may be a better way to put that. I We've talked about this before and like, I mean, at a certain point, you know, people want like rigid, you know, steps to a an order and things like that. And like, I think you do that and you sort of suck the soul out of the game. So you have to be really like, I don't know how you thread that needle, right? Like I've thought about it and... Every time I, I work up a system and I go, this would totally work. And then I, I start thinking about it and go, well, fuck, I don't want to make that. Or I don't want to have to hit <laughs> yeah. those milestones. I want to do this other thing. And, and I just, 
I wish there was a good way to do it. <clears throat> it's tough. It's, it's not easy. And, and I have a lot of faith in the award standardization team. I think that they're doing really good work out there in terms of doing the analysis necessary to find out what it is that most AMP guarders think and, and what it is that most AMP guarders want. So yeah. I don't know that I have answers. I, I got strong opinions, but I don't know if I have answers. And I bet if anybody can get answers, it's going to be them. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, Flo, you said something to the effect of, you know, you wish there was something like a warlord for the other belts. Like, what would that look like? Like, just take crown, for example, because you are a, a you know, knight of the crown. What does a crown warlord look like? Or a, I don't know what you would what call would it. What would the equivalent position be? Yeah. Well, Randall touched on this earlier. So Randall continued doing um, offices and things like that. He had fun rain ideas after he got his belt and did a, a, a um, Alice in Wonderland rain. And uh, who knows what since then, right? Yeah. So... Uh, Name-wise, I don't know. I can't come up with a name off the top of my head, right? But this, that kind of thing in Crown would be a good example for uh, me of someone that was then deserving of whatever title we wanted to... I mean, that almost seems like it's what... For Crown, it seems like that's what Grand Duke should be, right? It's it's the next highest to king, so you don't, you don't get to say you're a king because that's reserved. But, sure. but Grand Duke is that highest title that anyone can hold in perpetuity, and that seems like it could be used for that, but there's already we've already got a bunch of Grand Dukes. I mean, we've got Kazan, Bashirin. Um, those are just the two it, I can name. Kingdoms kind of hand that title out as a you've served a couple of times as king or a couple of times in in office, and and so you know we feel that you're deserving yeah. of this. This would need to necessarily be something different, but you're right. It's kind of along that that line, Randall. Do you have any thought on on what something like that could uh? could look like like or if it's I, even necessary yeah that's a really good question and i'm so I, i've thought in the past about what do we call someone who's been monarch twice right you call them a grand duke what do you call someone who's been in office a few times enough that they're sticking around you probably call them a crown knight and so on but we really want those awards to be you know height of excellence and in many cases they are even though there's that thing that everybody knows is that there's there's even among knights there's there are there are, there are unspoken tiers aren't there where there are, are knights that are looked at as those are like so the creme de, 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 de la creme and then there's also knights that are like well you were you were there good job buddy and we want to reward, and we, we, we want to reward that though because you know tenure i don't think tenure should should merit necessarily knighthood but i i think that somebody who's working hard on the game for decades what do we call that person if not a knight so it's hard to figure this stuff out right but then I thought to myself after a while of like, what should this uber Grand Duke title be? And what should this this uber Serpent Knight title be? And I found that I just stopped caring. <laughs> what am yeah. I doing? This doesn't matter. Um, we don't need... We don't need to segregate. Well, these are our, these are our knights, but those are our really good knights. Well, then, what do we do when somebody do we have a really really good knight above them? And I started looking the other way instead. You get the Dragon saying, Ball Z power creep, but right, with knights. right. <laughs> You're the Voltron of knights. No, I thought, I thought looking down instead of up and saying, well, maybe maybe we're not giving enough flame belts for the people that do stick around for decades, always being the ones that are making your events work, even if they aren't the ones running the events. And, and I looked really critically at, at, at Warlord. The, it, the idea of Warlord being the, yeah, you're a sword knight, but the Warlords are the... I like that sentiment, but I'm also concerned that if there was a time to do that in Amcard, it might have been 20 years ago. Doing that today, to me, 
would feel like looking at all the people saying, hey, we would really like to make Warlord accessible to women. We'd like to make it accessible to fighters who aren't the ones winning four tournaments over existing Warlords. We'd like it to make it accessible yeah. to fighters who are still pretty good and saying, yeah, we hear what you're saying. We're going to make it even harder now. Um, I feel like I feel like Amcard will survive having Warlords who aren't as good as current Warlords. Um, I think that it's one of those things that's like every other belt, you know, when I need to go to a really, really good artisan, I'm not necessarily going to pick a random serpent. I'm going to go to the people that I know are good at what I need to know. And mm -hmm. I think that Warlord can survive that same dynamic. So I, I used that to very sense. much be in, in, the, in the mindset of, no, we need to make these more elite, more strict, harder to get. We want to make sure that, you know, imagine every night a gold crest, right? But the more I think about that, the more I feel uncomfortable with that idea that I think it hurts Ampguard more than it helps us. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. And I had never thought of it. Uh, I'd never thought of what Toby said then or, or the ideas that I formed of it since then as an extra gatekeeping mechanic. But in some way, I, I was looking at it as alleviating a gatekeeping mechanic in some mm -hmm. ways. But, but you're, I, I take your point that it is creating this other, it's creating another section where for where you could be discriminated against, I guess, is a good way to, to right. put it. If you, I mean, if you look at it from the, the point of view of the people on the bottom, and I'm not saying that like, oh, look at all these plebeians, but if you if you look at somebody who's not a knight and who's you know probably very new in the game, they're they're looking at now another rung above them that they have to bow down to. Whether or not they actually have to, you don't, but yeah, it's sort of part of the game, right? That person is better than you because of their white belt. Well, now that guy's better than you because of his... I don't know, turquoise belt. Yeah, you're, oh, you're not just a serpent knight. You're the dragon of the east. A or Super Saiyan like 2 that. serpent exactly. knight. Yeah. yeah. And so, something I think we've got to be careful of is. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> I think we need to be cautious about the treadmill people find themselves on because, because of the way Amcard is set up and because you have basically two classes of Amcard. There's a class that sticks around and there's a class that doesn't. There's a people who play past four years or so and there's a people who don't. Because of that, you have a constantly improving group of warriors and artisans and leaders and Amcard servants that are constantly trying to one-up what they've seen come before and you have this other cyclical group of people that are coming into the game four years at a time and then either sticking around becoming part of that crowd and trying to play catch-up or quitting. And I think that for all of us, the place that you were when Amp when you started AmpGuard, what was required to succeed when you started AmpGuard is no longer good enough these days than what is required now because the game has moved on from those things. The fighters have learned new tricks. The artisans have demonstrated greater and more enhanced art. Uh, the, the kingdoms have organized themselves in more complicated and coherent ways. And so I think we have to be careful that people will start their journey and say, you know what, I'd like to be a knight. And they'll start working on it. But the ground is literally moving under their feet. It's, it's getting away from them. Yes. Yeah. The, the progress they're making is not keeping pace necessarily or is keeping pace slowly with the advancements the game is making. And that's why I think it's important for us to, you know, maybe push back against that a little bit and maybe say it it shouldn't be the standard of here's this person who's been playing Amcar for 20 years. you got to be at least in their league to get knighted. Well, they've been playing it for 20 years. Maybe you don't have to be in their league. Maybe you just need to be pretty good. Uh, maybe you just need to be, be a pretty good person and, and, and have the tools to continue to improve. Maybe that's what we should look for in, in our prospective knights instead. And I, I hesitate to call that gatekeeping. I know that that, that was the, the, the term de jour at the Circle of Monarchs at the last year, which I know had a lot of tempers flaring quietly <laughs> behind people's seats. Uh, because some, for some, one person's gatekeeping is another person's standards. Right. Uh, so I, I hesitate to want to use that term, especially since 
that's kind of inherently what knights are asked to do. They're asked to vote on who becomes a knight or not. And uh, monarchs are asked to do the same thing. You have to do the same thing. We have to, you get to decide, well, was this good enough for a six smith or not? And so I, I, want, I want to recognize that there's some gatekeeping that takes place there, but there's, there's kind of a spectrum. There's a, there's a blur of how much of it is standards, how much of it is gatekeeping, and how much of it is helping and hurting. That's the more important thing for me of are we, mm-hmm. are we encouraging people? Are we keeping our standards at an exciting level while still encouraging people? And if we're not, we should calibrate. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What then, and I, I, it's hard to, hard for me to say some of those things because it's not where I was for very for very many years. I, I've sort of worked myself up to that that opinion place, and so I might be trying to convince myself right now more than I'm trying to convince y'all. But I, this is the nature of a rational mind, though, right? I mean, you you take in new information, you evaluate that information, and you if you are then no longer able uh, to hold on to some of the beliefs, you abandon them and you move forward with whatever your new set of beliefs are. We don't get to pick what we believe. Oh, well, bless you. I, I feel like Unmod very recently called me irrational. So thank you for saying so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, well, I mean, it, too, I think it's a good idea to you know, to always have a thought and then see, but how am I wrong? Right? You you sort of steel man your own argument. You make it stronger by doing that. So, I mean, I think that's a good thing to do. And I, I like the idea there of, of, you know, sort of keeping up with things, keeping, um, maybe maybe redefining how we look at that a little bit. Well, I want to throw something out for both of you as well, because you're both in a position to make these kinds of arguments. Um, also, not so much how am I wrong, but maybe how's the other person right? And right. my example yeah. of that is, I've I've been on a night circle for 18 years, and for a great chunk of that time, I was aggressively looking for candidates, like saying, well, what's this person doing? How are they progressing on this, this fighting track? How are they moving on this service track? And I'd be apprising the night circle of that information. So I was like a historian for our circle, a keeper of information, because a lot of the other nights... I don't know if you all see this happening in your circle. Don't necessarily do that. Um, they, they, they will, they'll pay attention when a vote comes up, but might not be paying attention in the interim period. So yeah. when I would not be the one advancing a candidate um, or arguing in favor of a candidate, there would frequently not be a lot of people arguing in favor at all. They would just come up, cast a vote, and then check out. So something that I tried to do, because those people, if they get yes, are going to get added to the circle. Something that I would try to do in my capacity is either a monarch making the decision, or as a knight casting a vote on the decision, is for people that got that yes vote, especially people that I cared about, especially people that I had voted no one but that I cared about, if I noticed that, hey, nobody's actually saying why they should get knighted, they're just asking us for a vote, I took it upon myself to be like, well, I'm going to be the one to say, well, you know what, I voted no, but look at all these things this person has done. Look at the reasons to vote for them. And so that, that at least that argument had been made by somebody so that uh, – they either got a good case or or if they do get a yes vote ultimately or get knighted over a no vote, they would join the circle and see the positive things that they had been knighted for mentioned. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You, you come into the knight circle and, you know, now that everything's on Facebook, you get to see the discussion that happened before you came in. Mm-hmm. So that might be good for them to, to see and maybe kind of humbling in some cases. It can be. And something, by the way, I stole from Casca is uh, something she does on her knights meetings is because uh, she didn't like the secrecy of it all. So whenever she would cast a vote on a candidate, she would immediately call that candidate up or go talk to them and say, hey, we just voted on you, and here's everything I said, so that they heard it from her first. So I, I heard that. That's smart nowadays. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. So now whenever I say anything on the night circle about a candidate, I open up Messenger immediately and send the person a comment saying, you were being discussed. Here was my vote. Here are my statements. I'm open for questions. I mean, how can you expect them to improve otherwise? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Or, or if nothing else, avoid the game of telephone that is toxic. 
Yeah, that's happened in our kingdom recently uh, a few times with a few players. You know, this mm-hmm. this guy got turned down. Oh, well, here's the shit fest that happened, and it's always mm-hmm. nasty. And it's oh, yeah. you just like every telephone game, you run into some information that is, uh, I won't even say intentionally mm-hmm. misrepresented. I, yeah. I, I won't go so far as to say that. It's just that some context along the way necessarily is lost. Yeah. And that can be worse than, than someone that is purposefully trying to misrepresent something. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to say, I, I appreciate your differentiation there because I think that, I think that there are plenty of toxic spaces in, in amp guard. And I, I will even see that there are some night circles that are toxic spaces too. But I think by and large, Night circles and amp guarders that are trying to be volunteers and run their organizations are not doing that kind of stuff on purpose. I think that it is mostly what you're describing, where information is lost in commu- as each communication step takes place, misunderstandings accrue, and then suddenly people are upset with each other. So I, I think that differentiating honest miscommunication from toxic communication is really important because it gives people an opportunity to say, well, how can I improve my honest communication? How can I, how can I hurt fewer feelings and make people feel more comfortable playing this game? Yeah, we've talked about it. Uh, we've talked about it before, uh, especially in some of our earlier uh, uh, episodes. That I think that sometimes the people that have have been in office for a long time and have been around the game for a long time forget that learning to communicate is a skill. It requires practice. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's you, a skill that you can lose. By the way, yeah, you can you you mess it up quite a bit while you're learning. You can lose it and and. Uh, and and me- begin messing up again. And even when you're good at it, you still do stupid things. Uh, mm-hmm. We all make mistakes. And, and believe me, there there is no one on. I'm currently our GMC. Okay, uh, there's no one on uh, on the circle right now that does not regret something that they've said, something that they've done uh, at some point uh, in AmpGuard. But you. Because our kingdom has has grown up now a little bit, there's this tendency to um, where where we didn't get this chastising. Uh, maybe that's a bad word for it, but we didn't get the uh, the the negative feedback because all of us were messing up, right? Yeah. Now you have these people in there that are, you know, oh maybe we don't let this person run another thing for a long time because they mess this up and. And, you know, the, the thought has to come back around to, we did a lot worse. Yeah. You know, we, <laughs> we have messed up in so many creative ways worse. It goes back to what we were saying before. They don't, you know, everybody didn't have a camera at the time or, you know, yeah. Facebook wasn't a thing. Well, I think too, more than regretting things you've said, um, I'm not a knight, but this has certainly happened as a monarch. Um, I regret a lot of the things that people say that I said. Right. Because, I mean, I've, I have seen my words twisted and I've had to go up and be like, no, actually, that's not what happened. Here's a screenshot of the conversation. You know, here's what was actually said. And, you know, I can see how you'd see it if this was, you know, if you only got this text bubble and not the, the chat beneath it, you might totally think I'm an asshole. But if you look at both of these together, you can understand. You why. know that you're an asshole. Well, yes, also, but, but I'm coming from a, I, I literally, I, this is not a thing that, that like I expect other monarchs to do, but for every vote that I have cast, for every um, ruling that I have made, for every post that I have made, I have a folder where I have listed the reasoning for that vote or that decision or, or whatever it was. Yeah. Because I, I forget shit. I, you know, I'll do something. I mean, this is not a joke after we report this, record this podcast until it goes up. I'm going to forget most of it. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I document it and then, you know, I've, this has saved my ass a few times or somebody said, Oh, well, I heard cabbage said this. And then I, I wonder into the thread and I'm like, I said, what? Hold on. No, 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 no. That didn't happen. Pull up my documents, you know, October, 2020. Okay. Let's see here. No, that's not what I said here. Yeah. I'm going to send this to you, you know? So yes, regarding things you've said that can always suck, especially if you've said something truly bad, but also I think being more open prevents that regretting what other people say you have said. Well, and one other thing that I learned from Randall early on, uh, too, this was again another uh, ESAM story, was sometimes the best thing you can do is just show patience. Uh, and I know that when when you came in uh, uh, as my man-at-arms, you and I had this conversation where s- the best approach I feel like, th- there's very few things in life that you have to respond to that night. It, it, it will come up, especially when you're in office, that that there is something that you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but Randall would do this thing, and you talked about this earlier, I think too, Randall, where he would just not respond and would come back the next day or something like that. And I very much uh, stole from that. Um, how I look at, uh, how I look at continuing conversations. It, it allows you to kind of, from a completely selfish standpoint, it allows you to kind of recapture the control of the conversation and the flow of the conversation. But from a more practical standpoint, it lets me not angrily post what I was thinking and, and calm down and say, you know, has this person said something that makes sense? I've, have they put forth a criticism that is legitimate mm-hmm. and, and <laughs> needs more consideration than I might give it if I just respond right now? Well, I think it's healthy too. And I, I think it's healthy for office holders. Uh, at the time, my philosophy was was based on instant messenger of, hey, it's a message. I can respond to it when I have time to get around to it. And mm-hmm. that, that's where everything came from. But but modern Amp Guard has taken that into an even better direction. You're seeing officers all around the game have office hours where they say, and and that's and they, they mean that for when they're available on the internet. And they say, if you contact me outside of these office hours, you're going to wait. And people just know that up front. Mm-hmm. And they also know that if you want to have a live conversation, I'll be available during this time if someone doesn't already have me. And I think that that protection of your space and time is really healthy for AmpCard office holding because one of the things, again, back to Facebook, one of the things that it does is it monopolizes your time. Mm-hmm. And um, one of our kings even took it to a... a further level than that, not, not just office hours, but also had a day in AmpGuard where he's like, on this day, I think it was like Thursdays, he says, on this day, I'm not even online. I'm not even going to be at a computer on that day. I'm just turning everything off. Oh, so I think that that's important for AmpGuard officers to do is to have those office hours. I love what you were describing there, Cabbage, about your documentation and keeping it all written down. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've, I've, I don't have documentation on every vote like you do, and, and I think I'm going to start doing that. But I, I have extensive um, Google Docs on all the awards that we've given, all the reasons why they were given, mm-hmm. the templates that we created, because I love creating custom award templates. And something else that I did for your communication angle is um, after having too many conversations that I would have with officers in other parks go awry, started making sure that whenever I was talking about anything where a decision needed to be made or a ruling had to be made, make sure that there are multiple people in those chat groups, bring people in. And I think that that's somewhere else that AmpGuard has already gone to in terms of, you know, the the rule book helped with a lot of that by setting up the code of conduct that you already have a group of three officers that have to have that communication. Right. But I think, I think many kingdoms have also gotten better at it. Uh, but at the time it wasn't often the case. It was often the case that monarchs would be out by themselves trying to get things done. So I think, the more eyes on a communication, the better it is. At the same time, I, 
I've also had even this year uh, verbal communications where there are multiple people present get misrepresented in ways <laughs> designed to hurt and wound, and it's just not fun, is it? Yeah, no, I've I've had I've had several interactions like that where it's like, oh, we're about to have a difficult conversation. I'm going to rope in a third party here because oh, yeah. I'm not going to be misrepresented. You know, this is this is how it's going to go. Um, I do I do office hours in Discord, not not super frequently. It's supposed to be every Monday, but that doesn't always shake out. <laughs> There's not been that much amp guard happening. Like. Mm-hmm. We talked about the same thing we talked about two weeks ago. There's as much amp guard as you want there to be, King. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I like my players alive. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like there there genuinely are some days. I don't, I don't think I've ever said, you know, I'm not available on these days. But like there are some days I avoid Facebook. Because if that little green pimple shows up on my picture, mm-hmm. I'm going to start getting, you know, pings about stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I mean, I've seen it. I've been like, all right, I'm going to check Facebook real quick. I just need to go. Oh. I need to go like my fiance's poster. She's going to explode. Okay. Facebook <laughs> go. And before I can get to it, it's like ping, 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 ping. Oh mm-hmm. no, no, God, no, stop. You know, I like oh, it so when I get out. I'm like, I didn't read it. It, sh- it still shows as delivered, not read. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm probably safe. Yeah. Something I did in a, uh... I don't know, February or January of this year as I turned off notifications on my phone. And prior to that, of course, left a whole bunch of Facebook groups because I was no longer in an inner kingdom office. And, but that was nice. But turning off notifications on my phone was like a night and day uh, situation. Now it's only when I want to go see Facebook do I get to go see Facebook, which is still a lot, but it means that I'm in control of it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, uh, we've had some really, really good conversations on some uh, leadership problems, maybe delving a little bit into uh, amp guard ethics um, or lack thereof in some cases um, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and different ways that, uh, that we've approached that and you've approached that. Um, I want to change gears for just a moment. One of the things that we love to do here uh, is we love to have a little bit of a story session. Uh, and so you've been in the game for quite a long time. Uh, not counting your three years, you and I have actually, this, this is, is it 24 years for you now? I said three. Is it, I'm at my 20 year mark. Um, cause 2000 is, you were talking about when you got back in and that's when I first started was 99, yeah. 2000. Um, so you've had a lot of time to accrue a lot of really good stories. Um, are there any that one you would like to share with us and two that the statute of limitation has been met on that's not a thing that's never been a thing (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness um they can be fun or funny uh there's 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 a lot of of statute of limitations my goodness Have you ever seen, um, actually, I, I have a question for you, and maybe this will uh, this will help out. Have you ever seen somebody, there's there's this thing about, like, the first day of clan, people always get hurt. Have you ever seen something like that? But Lyndon mentioned I don't, that, yeah. yeah. I don't know that I've seen people get hurt the first day. It seems to be, like, after a few days, the injuries start to accrue. Okay. Um, I guess there's always been that one person who maybe hits it too hard the night, the first night of the event, and then has to be driven off site because they got hung over, but no, not, not too often, not too often. Okay. Uh, let me go ahead and I'll give you two stories. We'll, 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 we'll leave you with two. Okay. One's a, one's a sad story. The other's a happy story. And I'm able to do the sad one first because it's kind of a cautionary tale. Okay. okay. So uh, Snicker Furfoot was a, a friend of mine when I was a teenager. We were um, in the same fighting company together. I, 
I joined AmGuard in 92 and I formed a fighting company that I was super excited to be running because I flipped through the rule book and I looked at all these awards like because Kapoor had all the knighthoods in them and so forth and I thought well I'm never going to do those things I'm never going to get elected or make stuff I'm not good at that I'm never going to run events I'm little not a did you fighter. know right right it's, it's in hindsight it feels kind of silly to talk about but at the time very much like I look at these things thought these are not accessible to me but ooh prime minister that looks like I could pro probably get elected to that and maybe get the title of baron which I was really important to me at the time I don't mm -hmm. know why but it was important to me at the time um, but then I, I flipped through further and I saw oh fighting company this is me you can do without permission you don't have to get elected to do that you just need to get a group of friends together and then you get to be the captain of a fighting and that just sounded so cool to me um, I just love the idea of mercenary units so I formed a newbie fighting company and we called ourselves pale horse like you know death rides a pale horse and right. we had a white horse on a black background and there were a lot of amp guarders who rose to prominence subsequently like Foshan was in it um, Kyron, who was King of Dragonspine in 2001, was in it. Um, Snicker, Furfoot, was in it. And uh, we were a, a fighting company, and it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I put a lot of, like, newbie... You know how newbies get. I put a lot of, like, this young newbie nerd kid energy into this thing, like, sort of working out what our history was and what the ranks were. Right. Well, and then we had an event in the Duchy of Dragonspine, and it was, I think, the second duke. We All told, we only had three dukes before we became a kingdom. So our second duke... Um, we're having an event, and it's a mid-reign, I think, mm -hmm. and they, they call us up before court as a fighting company, all of us together, and we're all, this is, wow, this is the first time we've been called up as a unit. Yeah. Um, for this guy over here, it's his first recognition in court ever. I think for Snicker, I think it was his first award from the kingdom, because he'd been playing in the Barony of Shadowdale. And so we're excited about this, and what they do is they give us a shame award. Oh, they give us a, they give us an award called, called the Order of the Litterbug because they had determined that you know we're, we're a bunch of kids we're a bunch of kids and uh, and people who don't drink they had determined mm -hmm. that the the Bud Light containers that were left at the park were our trash and so they wanted to stop us from trashing the park and so they gave us this award in front of court uh, obviously it was it was not us doing it so right. not only was it humiliating they were also lying about us and uh, I I had a bit of a I had a bit of an emotional snap at the time um, you know walked outside just cried a whole bunch, decided I was quitting Amcard. I didn't quit Amcard for that reason, but I decided I was, I was done with all of it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was kind of Wheelock, um, some of you may know, a Wheelock who talked me off that ledge. Yeah. And, and to an extent also Blackthorn, um, who's now plays out in Westmarch. But it was just humiliating and awful. And for me, that was a, a, a formative moment in terms of if there's things you want to fix in Amcard, it's not by calling people up in front of court and humiliating them. Um, and I've seen people sort of have that feeling sometimes that that's what they want to do and whenever I've seen it I've done my best to stamp it out like no you don't do that because and you especially don't do that to kids no, uh, it also yeah. really sharply colored the way that I feel that amp guarders need to treat kids in amp guard you need to make this an experience that is joyful for them not one that is embarrassing so that was my story there um, I remember telling that story after I was a, a grand duke and a and a uh, not, I don't think I was a knight yet. Maybe I was a knight. Mm. I was, because I, I was a knight because I was wearing a white belt that somebody had put my newbie fighting company symbol on. Um, we disbanded the company after that, by the way. It fell apart. Oh. But I remember, I remember telling that story in uh, 2002, um, three around a campfire, and it was dark. It was dark at Gathering the Clans. I couldn't see who was around the campfire, and I thought I was just telling it to, like, two people. And when I was done with the story, I heard some voices speak up, and there was like a crowd of like you know 15 people that are gathered around to listen to this story. And uh, oh, no. one of them, uh, one of them is a, a pretty good friend who became a, a squire of mine afterwards. Was like, I've never heard you tell that before because I hadn't. Uh, it was just such a dark memory. Mm -hmm. um, so, but go ahead. I was going to say positive that comes out of that. Like this is the second or third time that we've 
had a story that uh, involved Wheelock, who is in our kingdom now, yeah, uh, and that they were working as this uh, this this positive force in uh, uh, in there. In this case, to kind of calm you down and mm-hmm. uh, and get you re- refocused. The uh, one person can make a difference, guys. One conversation sometimes can make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness, and Wheelock has made a difference in so many of our lives. She was like a mother figure for us at our park. Um, she She's wonderful. And one of my quick fun stories is about Marcus the Mad, who's her husband. Uh, we got him knighted. <laughs> We got him knighted in, uh, through a couple of, of ways. First of all, he had multiple personas, and people were avoiding giving him high-level roses by splitting his roses up between his personas. Because oh, <laughs> so, no. he, he's, a, he's a goof. He's a goober, right? But anyway, I said at one point, you know what? I'm king, and I just added these numbers together, and it looks like it's 14 to me, so I'm making him a master rose. Bam, and did it. And uh, then in the subsequent reign, I think maybe... Was it me? I think it was either me or Azrael Jade who was monarch at the time it might have been me mm-hmm. and we were trying to get him knighted so we called the knights together and i thought there's just no way this, they're going to vote on this there's no way this is going to happen and wheelock walked up to me she says i'm not going to be present for this vote because i know how these things can get i don't want to lose my temper or get upset when i hear people's opinions i'm going to walk away mm-hmm. and frankly that's the best advice if you have a spouse in amcard or a significant other do not participate in the even the discussions don't say a word when they're up for a vote for knighthood otherwise you'll just lose your mind so she walks away and I go to the night circle and I pitch the vote and it becomes pretty apparent early on that there's some, uh, I'm kind of naive, but it, it seems like people are pretty willing to vote yes on this candidacy. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? And it ends up being like a two thirds yes vote, two to one, the yes vote Marcus the Matt. And I'm just blown away. I, I don't get it. Well, subsequently, there's another vote that takes place where it looks like people might have been being nice about the first vote in hopes that the second one would pass. It did not. Um, but that's that's something that sort of came out afterwards. I thought, well, that was weird. Then I walk up to Wheelock, and she's sort of downcast. And I'm looking at the ground, and I say, well, uh, it went. And she says, well, don't tell me. How bad was it? And I says, uh, it was like, you know, seven to three in favor. <laughs> she, just, she just lost her mind. And so we knighted the goofball. Um so that was, a, that was a fun thing that we got to do. He was also, if I recall correctly, he was also Pale Horse and, and my regent the first time I was king. Um, so the fun part that comes out of the Pale Horse story, the newbie company story, is that I, I get elected king in 2000 by a very slim margin. I win by one vote. Again, be nice to people, oh, wow. especially, yeah. especially the people who are, who are on the outs and guard who feel like they're not included. Make them feel included. And I, I found everybody that was not feeling like they were included, and they all voted for me. Um, over the popular candidate that everyone assumed would just win. It caused a panic, as you might expect in the kingdom. They're like, holy crap, how did this happen? <laughs> yeah. but, but then um, I get guard tunics made, and my newbie company is, is in the grave by this point. So I use the heraldry for my newbie company for my guard tunics. Mm-hmm. And so that was my my win. Yeah, you and, get to kind of return the favor a little bit. Yep. That's awesome. Well, goodness, we've gone almost two hours. Uh looking at an hour and 50 minutes or so. Um, oh my I think, goodness. Yeah. Well, these, these usually <laughs> run pretty long. We try to, we try to cap it two hours. So okay. um, I think this is as good a note as any to leave on. Um, do you have anything you want to plug or anything that you're working on? Um, you know, give it a shout out here, man. Oh, wow. What do I want to plug or that I'm working on? Um, 
let me plug something for someone else. Because okay. I've been for the, I've loved doing this conversation because for me, AmpGuard has mostly been board meetings and being checked out because we're not playing at the park. So I've loved getting to talk about these things. Let me plug something that someone else is doing. Okay. And that is, if you're free on Wednesday nights, go to the Dragon Spine Facebook group and look for the Kingdom of Kodiak that our king, Kodiak, <laughs> is currently doing. So before he was king, he did this this uh, interview thing, kind of what we're doing here, called Kingdom of Kodiak, where he brings people on and has a conversation with them for a couple of hours, maybe an hour and a half. Same kind of idea. It's, it's a lot of fun. He's... Um, it's, it's a different attack on the topic than what y'all are doing here. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, that, that they're both wonderful ways to do it. Uh, his way, he gets a lot of really goofy questions that the crowd asks him to ask people. So he's always asking people about toasters and if they're buying <laughs> one or not. But he also digs into some fun topics, and he's a good speaker, and he's fairly new to AmpGuard, all things considered. I think it's like three or four years. Oh, that's beautiful. Maybe we should so, get him on the show. That would be cool. You know yeah, what? Absolutely. The other thing Kodiak is, you talked about uh, communication is something that you practice and you can get good at or not. He's good at it. So I'd say bring him on. He's a good speaker. Okay. I've okay. got that in my notes here. We'll plug it. We'll put a link to it in the show notes and uh, we'll, we'll reach out to him. He's been king of Dragonspine only during quarantine, really. So bring him on. I feel that. Idea. That's yeah. a huge... Cabbage, Cabbage got elected and he had all of these plans. He was going to do this whole like goblin, classic goblins versus the kingdom thing. And you were in office for how many hours before everything <laughs> was, fell apart? It was about a week. I had like a one week of like, all right, we're going to do this. And two weeks from now, I'm traveling to here. And oh, nope. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. Well, it's, you two will be, have a lot to bond over. Yeah, absolutely. We'll reach out to him. Um, with that, I think I'm going to roll the outro. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, make sure to give this a like, thumbs up, subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're happening to listen. Make sure to join our Facebook group. We announce our upcoming guests. Um, we also take some questions from uh, people on Facebook there. Um, just wherever you're at, give us a follow. It helps us out quite a bit. Thanks for listening, everybody.